if you've been following my escapades on Facebook, um, I went to Texas. I went to Oklahoma and Texas, and uh, I visit. I saw the Cowboys win. Well, they they lost, and then they won. And uh, I went to church with a friend, uh, Graham Jones, who um, came here and did music one time. I don't know if you all remember Graham or not, but I went to his church and watched him lead worship. And his pastor spoke on John chapter 15, verse 2. And it caused me to have a discussion, actually, with Graham's sister afterwards at lunch. And so, uh, and then I went to class for a whole week uh, and sat and learned how to use this software that you're looking at. Uh, it's a software that I've been using for like 15 years. It's called uh, Logos, and it's just Bible software. But it's kind of like your phone. You know, you probably use about 10, 15% of your phone, and you, you just spend the rest of your time learning what you need to. And so I went and sat in class for all week last week, eight hours a day, trying to figure this thing out some more. And it caused me to go back and look at that passage that that pastor was teaching on, which was John chapter 15, verse 2. And my discussion was this. It says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. If you've ever heard me teach this before, uh, the gardener's the one that's responsible for producing the crop. Like, I'm not responsible for producing. The father is. It's his job. It says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're probably, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Now, uh, I know I'm supposed to be teaching First Peter 2, and I, I kind of threw this out there online, and I didn't expect to get the response that I got, but people started texting me, and I was with my family, my dad and my sister in Texas, and they were all wanting to know what the answer was, and I'm like, you just have to wait. And so, oh, my sister, I, I left my phone over there, but she's been texting me for the last two days about what she thinks is going on. And like even this morning, she goes, one more thought. It is, it's not past tense, it's prunes. It's current tense. So I, I got into this discussion with my friend about, does God prune us? And I said, I don't think God prunes us. And the question was, uh, well, what is sanctification in, conjunction, in connection with, with prunes? I was like, wow, that's impressive that you connected those two together. But sanctified, uh, you know that whole 
that whole thing about sanctification, it's a, it's a religious word. It's a, it's a biblical word. It's a theology word. But in the Bible, it says to be that we're sanctified. It's got an ed on the end, which is past tense, and we're being sanctified, that it's present. So you have to be able to determine uh, what's going on there. Well, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's chapter 5, uh, he talks about us being a body, soul, and a spirit. And if you hang around us long enough to know, I teach that we're three parts, a body, soul, and a spirit. My soul and my spirit are redeemed. The moment that I believed in Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, and that he forgave my sins, that he died one time on the cross and forgave me all my sins, my spirit and my soul were redeemed. They were sanctified. Sanctified actually means to be set apart, to be holy. Like, the moment that I believed, that occurred in my spirit and soul. My spirit and soul is eternal. It's what's going to heaven. My body, on the other hand, this thing, this this fine specimen that you're staring at, uh, is not going to heaven. It's going into the ground. It's going to be worm food. Uh, we, We were driving home from... Texas yesterday, and there was a song on the radio. It says, I'm going to love you until the I become food for the worms, uh, something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we say all the time. We become worm food. Uh, but this body will become worm food, and it's not going to heaven. It's not redeemed. And it is the one that uh, is my flesh. It's my flesh. Flesh and body are two different things. But my flesh is not redeemed. It's not It's not holy, it's not righteous, but it is becoming more and more righteous and redeemed, but it's not there. And the reason it's becoming more is because I'm understanding who I am in Christ, and he is the one that is sanctifying my behavior, my behavior, my choices that I make. As I get to know him as I get to know him, and as I get to know this new heart that he's placed in me, and he's made me this new creation, my desires begin to line up with his desires. And my behavior changes. It's const- I still mess up. Trust me, I still mess up. I still, I still deal with the flesh patterns of old. And, uh, but that's not who I am. Who I am... Who I am, I'm holy, righteous, redeemed, and forgiven. And so uh, I look at this word that says uh, in verse 2, every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Now, I'm going to open up the floor. This is where it gets scary right here. But uh, when you hear that he prunes... He, pr- he prunes every branch. What does that mean? He prunes every branch. Who gets pruned in here? You want to start, Jeannie? I should, I should have a microphone. And, Kyle, you want to grab that microphone and take it to Jeannie because 
She's on the opposite end of the room from them down there. Here we go. This is just a sidetrack, side, sidebar from First Peter. Go ahead. I believe God prunes us. Okay. But I think it's the definition of prune that maybe I don't think he comes out and hurts us. It may not be pleasant, the process, um, but it definitely helps us produce more fruit. So, Do you, you want to give an example of what a pruning looks like? Or do you, have you thought sure. about it? We talked a little bit about it, but um, God appointed the day Elizabeth was going to die. He didn't do that to hurt me. It was already it was already designed. Yeah. But through that process, I was definitely pruned. I got to sit back and see God in a new way and, and learn something. I learned how much God loves me in that process. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, it's a lot to lose a child. But on the day God created this world, he said, I love this world so much that I will give my only son. I'll let him go through that process. I'll go through that pain because I love you that much. Mm -hmm. You're preaching now. Yes. So I got to learn how much God loves me. I know. So it was pruning, but it wasn't because he wanted to hurt me. Right. So that's life. All right, someone else. Who's next? Yeah, Ryan, you're you're back there in the back. Oh boy, he's got a smile on his face. Um, I, you know, I, at salvation, I think we're all given a brand new heart, right? Lines right. up with the God, Father's heart, so that part is sanctified. But I think like the pruning, you know, we often get in debates: Does the evil one do this? Does God do this? And and, and I've come to the place now: It's like, it, does it really matter? Because I do believe God is sovereign. And I do think whether the evil one caused it, God allows it, it doesn't matter. I think he allows circumstances in our life, which I think is the pruning part, to teach us to learn to live more from that new heart he gave us. So I, I think it's important that we talk about pruning is to separate your identity from your behavior. And I think through my hardships, my hard times, everybody goes through them, they just look differently. I just think, you know, and I'll throw this out there right now. One thing I'm convicted of is uh, I think marriage is a training ground for that. I really do. I feel like when we're married to somebody, you have a choice. And that choice is whether you want to play the blame game or you can say, Father, what is it you're learning to teach me to live from my new heart? Uh, And I think all too often people bail and they miss out on what the Lord wants to show them. And the problem is they go to the next circumstance and they bring that with them and they didn't learn what the Lord wanted to show them. Mm. So I think there is pruning involved, but I think it's not you as a person. I think it's just he allows things so that we learn to live from that new heart he gave us at salvation. Okay. Someone else? Yeah, Robert. 
Resident Hempy. up so you guys can see it if you need to. Uh, so I had to uh, look up what pruning means because that's me. Um, and I, I got to to cut off or cut back parts of for better shape or more fruitful growth. Um, so I would say that I would agree that he does prune us in the way that he he wants us to be, you know, the best we can be in that sense. He wants us to be able to share our experiences and our love with other people or his love with other people. And in doing that, he shows us, shows us the things that are, another word I had to look up, superfluous. Um, the things that are extra, unnecessary, you know, more, we have more than enough of or in our sinful side takes away the sinful things that we don't really need but we think that we want or we think that we need. And he, he prunes those things out of our lives so we can be a better Christian or a better example of his love. Okay. So, yeah, you're, you're talking more about sanctification there than what if he takes things out of your lives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Luke, I know you're... So is pruning a good thing or a bad thing? If, it, if, if God is doing the pruning, is it a good or a bad thing? Well, it's producing more fruit. So, and that would be a good thing, right? Yeah. If it's pushing the believer back to him. Absolutely. Um, that would be a, a huge positive thing. But then you could take the opposite of that, right? You could say, well, uh, you, you might not like the pruning, right? And that pushes you a little way from him. Yeah. Test of faith, like she said, maybe. I don't if, – if, if he does it um, – it, I think it's more of a positive thing than a negative. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I think God prunes in, in different ways in different parts of your life. And for me, I was at a point in my life where I needed to be pruned to understand the real relationship that I wanted with Christ. And that, that he pruned a lot of things out of my life to open me up into the relationship that he intended me to have with him. And uh, that's what pruning, pruning is for me. But are you saying he did those things in your life? or? Yeah, it was his plan. Okay. All right. Jeff in the back. Sorry, Kyle, you're having to get your steps in today. I'm not saying this is the case, but I think it's just worthy of consideration, discussion. Is there any comparison to the Sermon on the Mount when he was talking to the people in the audience? It was before the cross. If your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. He didn't mean that literally. He was preparing the people for what was to come. Here is also before the cross. Is he talking to your sister's point, is he talking to the people then as a preparation for the grace that was to come later? That's, a, a, th- that's a great point, and you have to keep it in context of, of what is written. And this is in John chapter 15. It's in the upper room. He's sitting there with his disciples the night, the night of, before he's, the night he's being arrested. 
all right? And so he's having this, if you go through John 14, 15, and 16, this is his whole discussion with the disciples. So he's literally talking to the 11. The 11, Judas is gone. Uh, and he's, he's saying this to them. So yes, you have to keep it in the context of what's going on, all right? Anybody else? Last, last chance. Luke wants to get his two cents in. You're on the clock. Oh, M- Mindy's raising her. Get Mindy first, and then we'll go over. So um, I'm a master gardener, and when we prune things, it's to cut off things to make the plant healthier. So I can't help but to think that it's cutting off our fleshly desires so that we can be a healthier um, for the Lord's work, to, to be healthier for the body of Christ, to accomplish what he wants to do on earth through us. So it kind of cuts away our, the junk that we don't need. I don't know. My two cents. Add on to that. And, and when you prune, that plant is no longer expending energy to try and revive that part of the plant that is already dying. So nice. there's, there's a couple things that happen here, too. Is, I mean, he's using terminology that we don't understand because we don't work in a vineyard. And these people did. And then, you know, like he said, we're grafted into the family, right? And grafting is another form of... of a, a gardener or whomever taking a branch and putting on a healthy one to let it grow and create a hybrid or something else. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, we're living in a 21st century world that I go and buy a bottle of wine. I don't have to go out there and make sure that the soil's right and that the vines are good. So I think it, it just speaks to something that we can't comprehend that that was a natural part of their lives. All right. All right. Luke, you're last. Make it good. I think the, the conversation will revolve around the definition of the word pruning. There you go. So if, if, prune, if pruning equals suffering, I think it's an easy one. So um, if suffering in your life prunes you because your response to it is to seek life versus seek something that maybe you think you're losing or missing because I, I think and I think a great question would be is if if pruning is something that God does did Jesus get pruned I mean did he get pruned by the father and Hebrews 5 8 just came to me when you started this discussion which says although he was a son he learned obedience from the things that he suffered and having been made perfect he became to all those who obey him a source of eternal salvation we teach in here as you come to Christ you die with Christ you die you you get cut off from who you were everyone thinks that the gospel is a free gift from God and that it doesn't cost us anything but if you receive Christ, whether you know it or not, it, did, it does cost you. It costs you your worldly life apart from him. You're now pruned from your old life, or if you want to use that terminology, 
placed into him, transferred into him, so separated into him. And it says if Jesus learned obedience, which is faith, obedience, faith, believe, same, same thing, really. If he had to learn obedience from the things that he suffered, then maybe the pruning is, is the suffering that we have that, that we, leave, we leave the dead leaves behind. We, we leave the, the, the things of our own self-sufficiency behind because, honestly, they're not working. You know, Jeannie, if, if you tried to handle your pain on your own, it would have devast- it would have killed you. I mean, yeah. so suffering, I got to tell you, I, I love comfort. I'm built for it. <laughs> Some people are built for speed. I'm built for comfort. So I don't like, I don't like suffering, but I've been doing this thing. The, since January 1, as I take a three-minute cold shower at the end, and it is horrible. It is the worst. And if anyone knows me, that's the worst thing I would... That's my kryptonite cold water. But on the other side of that suffering, I don't think I can... I, never, I don't feel as good any part of the day as I do right those next, that next hour or whatever. But I don't know anything good that doesn't come from suffering. So if pruning equals suffering... Whether God allows it to happen, I don't know that he causes it. I don't think he causes it, Rusty, is, is right. your question. But I think, he, I think the way we're built in the spirit, that suffering prunes us. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I think you know, it goes back to that and to what Ryan was saying. Is I, I struggle with the whole, does God allow? What does God allow? And I have an illustration that goes along with that. I don't know if I'm going to share it here this morning or not, but it makes sense to me. Um, but th- let me show you what I went through as I was sitting through class. This is the software, the Logo software, and they're teaching us how to use it so that we can exegete, which is a seminary word, which means to dig down into the Greek and to figure out what the original Greek was. And, what the, and then you take that and you place it in the context of the author and the the time, the the history, the culture, and everything else. To so to like exegete takes a lot of work to be able to interpret what the scripture says. And this is the beautiful thing about uh, the scripture, sixty six books, is that we can sit in here and have a discussion about the sixty six books, and we all may see it differently. We all may see it differently. Uh, I think the the common bond that we have in this room, obviously, is that Jesus is our Savior. And that we know our identity in Christ, that we are righteous and redeemed, that whole two-thirds part, that it's already a done deal, and that's the way that we view each other and see each other as holy, righteous, and redeemed. But as I was going through this, and I'll again explain to you what I've taught in the past in this verse, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. If I looked up the word prunes, you can see below in the blue column, the, the word is prunes, and then the actual manuscript is there in Greek, and the Greek translation is katharai. And then there's a lemma word that you look up. And the lemma, to, I'm explaining all this to you, but the lemma is actually the, the a form of the word if I were to say jumping in the scripture, I wouldn't look up jumping in the dictionary. I'd look up jump. And that's what the lemma is. It's the actual word. And so 
if you look at that, and then I'm going to open up what we call a lexicon. It translates what is Greek to English, what they mean. And it's just like a dictionary. It can have several different meanings. So we're looking at the word prunes right here. And look what it says. To become clean. To make clean. This is the, the Greek word. If I show you the word... See if I can get here close enough to mine fifteen two. The father, father, and my the gardener. Oh, I'm in fifteen one. Hang on, Just bear with me. I want to show you the word. He removes, and every branch fruit produces. He prunes. Here, see if you can. And it's not going to play. I was actually going to hear you, have you hear the how it says "katharo." Katharo is the Greek word. But you look at it here in the lexicon. It says "make clean," "to clear," "to prune." Now watch this. If that's the case, now granted, granted. Let's look at the, the next definition. The next definition is to, to remove, Robert, your word, growth from a plant to clear a prune or vine. In the context of this verse, you can see that it's highlighted in pink right there. That's what it has been interpreted as, is to remove, to prune. But if I go down here and I look up one more thing, the Lonida and... Uh, takes you to that is to to make clean by removing that which is unclean to clean out to clean away clean out old yeast uh, every branch that bears he, fruit he cleanses this is what the pruning is is that he cleanses now watch this if every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit Verse 3, you're already clean. He's telling the disciples, you're already clean. Like, this is different for you. Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Like, you, you have a new heart. You've been pruned. Uh... When I teach, when I teach, Bruce Wilkinson is the guy that wrote, I remember Prayer to Jabez, that book years ago. <laughs> but he also wrote a book about this, uh, the vine, and he talked about how you can go, go through and look at the word, and the word actually means to clean, it means to, it means to lift up. The branch, the twig, the vine, oh wait. Where'd I go? Every branch in me produce. Hang on. He prunes. To make clean, to purify, to cleanse, to clean, to prune, to cleanse with, to sift, to cleanse from filth, to cleanse, to purify. Those are all the definitions of that Greek form. 
And so I sat there and I like go, I get the suffering. I get things happen. Evil happens in this world. Natural disasters happen in this world and we suffer. Death occurs and we suffer. Uh, our family makes bad choices and we suffer. Uh, we make bad choices and we suffer. And it's all that, you know, what does God allow? The sovereignty of it all. How does, why can't he just take the pain away? Why can't he just take the addiction away? Why can't he just do that? Why does he just let us go through this when we're sitting there praying for it and asking for it? And I, I can't answer the allows. I'm not God. But it's his sovereignty. It's his sovereignty where he is active. He's active. And you have to know that you are clean. That you are purified. That you are holy. That you're righteous. And when you walk in that, I'm not saying the suffering goes away. Jesus said, you're, he told the guys, you're, you're, you guys are going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Just like I'm suffering. Just like I've gone through it. You're, you're going to deal with the junk in your life. Part of it's going to be your bad decisions. Part of it's going to be your family's bad decisions. It's going to be your workers' bad decisions. It's going to just be evil in the world's decisions. To think that what's, not, what's happening over on the other side of the world is not affecting us. It's not caused suffering here in the United States. You, you're totally missing it. So the whole sovereignty thing, uh, yeah, I can't answer. I... I'll share that illustration. I've already blown my time on First Peter here this morning. So, uh, but here, here, here's the way, and I've shared this many times, I think, in here before. Uh, but the way the sovereignty works and walking, walking with God, people want to know what it looks like to walk with the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. I am coming out of the closet and saying, "I watch Dancing with the Stars." Hey, man, Emmett Smith won it. What are you talking about? Cowboys. Uh, but if you watch, like, the first episode, you know, when they've, they've been there for two or three weeks behind the scenes and they're learning to dance, the celebrities, they look terrible. I mean, some of them that they have on there are really, really bad. But some of them are in the music world and they look halfway decent when they start. But they're still not of like quality. And that's kind of like coming to know the Lord, coming to know the Lord and admitting that he's my Savior, that he's my Messiah. What does that actually mean? I did that when I was eight years old. And what I knew then and what I know now is like totally different. So week after week, week after week, they, they begin to like practice and walk with these professionals and to me, this is like walking with the Holy Spirit. That the next, the next week, you uh, get a little bit better. You, it looks a little bit more professional. But you're still making a ton of mistakes and you're forgetting things and yada, yada, yada. But he, here's what really is happening, which we cannot see on the show. And you can't see this in my life. 
and I can't see this in your life, is when they're dancing, that professional is speaking in their ear what to do next. Don't forget, we're going to do this, 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 this. One, two, three, one, two, three. They're constantly either mouthing it and you see it, or they're whispering it and you don't see it. But they're getting better, and he's just constantly reminding them and reminding them and reminding them about what it is they're supposed to do. And granted, granted, at some point, the, the celebrity just totally blows it. Either forgets, uh, you know, and just goes blank, and, or they miss a step, or they get out of rhythm. They get out of rhythm. And the Holy Spirit, the professional dancer, guess what they do? They do their best to cover it up. Cover it up and say, okay, let's go on. Next, next, next. Forget that. You messed up. You messed up. Just let's go on. We got more life to live. We have to finish this dance. And we're going to make it look good. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. And I honestly believe when it comes to the sovereignty of the Lord and the work of the Holy Spirit, that's what he's doing in my life. Is that I get all sorts of junk coming my way. Sometimes it's my own junk. Sometimes it's other people's junk. But he's constantly reminding me. And this may be the pruning. If you want, if, if you want, to, if you want to say that we're the ones being pruned... If you want to say that, but he says you're, you're already clean. I asked my professor that, and he goes, I'll have to think about that. Uh, if, if, if there's any pruning going on, uh, it's like this. Rusty, I love you dearly. My son died for you. And when he did, he forgave you of your sins. Even what you're doing right now. And I love you. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. You're holy. You're righteous. You're my child. He's constantly speaking in my ear. Constantly speaking in my ear. If that's, if that's the pruning, if that's, if that's what pruning looks like, I, I'm, I'm like, Luke, I don't think God does terrible things to me. I don't think God intentionally makes me suffer. I don't. And I don't think he makes you intentionally suffer because everything that I'm reading about God, and if we got into First Peter chapter 2, you'd find out that God is a good God. And that's really what Peter is like saying to, these, to the church right here. He's like saying, he's a good God. Just know who you are. Know your identity. We'll get into it next week, I promise. Know, know that you are a good person, that you've been made holy, that you're redeemed. And we can dance, and everybody's going to look at you and go, wow. That's what First Peter chapter 2 is. It's like they look at you, and you're like going, oh, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. Oh, but it looks really, really good because he makes it look good. He makes you look good. He's the one that redeemed you. He's the one that forgave you.
Does God prune me? I don't think so, but that's my interpretation, and it could be wrong. I, I love the fact that we sat here and had this discussion this morning and that we heard from everybody. Obviously, you uh, have the same spirit in you that I have in me. And for me to claim that I'm right and you're wrong is like crazy. We're going to have a lot of different opinions in here about the Scripture. Uh, but I'll say this, for those of you that have never thought about it, think about it. Dig into the Word. Dig into the Word. Hey, Logos is free. It's actually a free software. You just have to buy the resources. I've bought the resources. I have a lot of resources. But man, we could get we could get you started with this simple couple of Bible translations, and you know, if you want the Greek lexicon, you can get the Greek lexicon, and you can figure this thing out. It's not anything special. I've literally taught Logos classes in Leavener before, and I, I'm pretty sure that I'll probably do one again this spring. I would love for you to like dig in and be able to just like look at things and figure things out. But um, God is a good God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Father, uh, I, I know I sidetracked today, but I'm assuming you're the one that caused me to be sidetracked today, so I trust you with that. I thank you for your word that we have this. We have this that tells us about how good you are, how gracious you are, how loving you are, and that you have forgiven us, and we simply just need to to dance with you, to walk in the Spirit. I trust you that you will continue to guide me and direct me and train me. And change. You're responsible for changing my behavior, redirecting my steps. Lord, would you do that? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.